Yeah, and I don't remember everything about that conversation, but I, you know, I remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, he's really struggling," and this this is hard. And you sounded weak, and I and and so we just prayed. You know, right. I just was like, "I'm going to pray," and you know, I don't I don't know, I don't even remember what I prayed. You know, we just trust that God gives us what to pray in the moment. Right, and so um, and it, to me, it sounded. It seemed like you prayed with me for an hour, but it was probably oh, it wasn't that long. I know it, it was a matter a, of minutes or so. Yeah. Right, but I remember when you hung up. I don't know what time it was. It was seven thirty, eight o'clock that night, that evening. I think, I, or it might be the day. Mm-hmm. I get things mixed up, but I remember when I went to bed that night. I closed my eyes, and there were no fires. There were no demons. I was looking at the galaxies above. Mm. And there was a peace and calmness that came over me, and I slept. I didn't wake up until the nurse circus came in, as I called it. (laughs) But I knew they came in three or four times that night to take my blood, Mm -hmm. to stick me with something. I don't, I don't, I remember that, I don't remember having that happen, but I know they did. And I did well. There were a couple times where I would fight the demons but it wasn't nothing on the level of what I had. And so I was 16 days in the ICU. They moved me up to a real room. I think I was there for two days. No, you were there for like at least a week. In the real room mm-hmm. before they moved me to LTAC. Which was like a rehab type facility, is that right? Or LTAC was an awful nursing home for COVID patients. Oh, okay. It, it I was, was trying to make it sound nice, I guess. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was very horrible bad. actually. <laughs> My care was horrible. She had to go to the higher-ups because I was getting bed sores, among other things. And you were just really too tired at that point to, to really move much. I remember it was a big deal. I think you called me and you were like, he, he walked all the way to the bathroom. Yes. And I thought, walk to the bathroom? What is going on with this COVID? Because even at that time, I don't. you were the first person in our church that was hospitalized and went through this where it was like, hey— this is this is no joke, and that I mean, that's your I mean, experience sobered me up on it. Where I was like, "Hey, this this thing is serious," and and it, and, it, and you you know you're a healthy man, you're you're a young man. It was like, what what is going on with this thing? So and it was over three weeks yeah. or more that he walked to the bathroom. Yeah, he I couldn't yeah, even I, I remember, sit on yeah. the side of the bed. Yeah, I remember you telling me just a little, big goal for me was a big goal for me was to be able to stand up for the first time. Yeah, and then I stood up for ten seconds, and then it got to twenty seconds. <laughs> I'm not, but I haven't taken I haven't taken a step in place. I'm just literally trying to get standing up. Mm. My thighs were so thin I could wrap my fingers around and overlap my two knuckles. Mm. I mean, I looked like a World War II yeah, um, POW survivor. I would. I had lost so much. Well, it didn't take you long to start eating cheeseburgers again. No, it did, did it. not. <laughs> I caught up and then some. But I would go through these thing, go through these things where I would fight the demons, but it wasn't anything until I went to LTAC because she didn't have privileges. Mm-hmm. And so now we're towards the end of October. It's getting cool outside, and she is standing out my outside my window most of the day. Mm. And we're just communicating via phone. So we've got a phone line open, and we're communicating. And the boys and the grandkids would come by every now and then, you know, to see how I was doing. But it was always through there. 
and you were just but, and you were still mentally you, you you told me early on through this that you were surprised at how it had affected you cognitively yes and so when you say in here you know Denise would come and sit with you and you would just basically ignore her you said lights are out nobody's home I mean it was just really mentally it's a difficult disease mm-hmm. that way. I mean, it maybe doesn't affect everyone that way, but for you at least, and maybe some others, it was really... Well, Christmas time, she told me, do you remember the day that you totally ignored me in the hospital when she was in the, in the room with me? And I felt awful. I had no... I, she said, you wouldn't answer me. You just stared at... The, you wouldn't turn the TV on. I simply stared at the walls. I thought he was mad at me. Mm. Um, and I wrote... Someone had brought me um, a Bible that I kept in there that I would read to him. And so if I read something that I would write it down and I remember writing, I feel like he's mad at me. <laughs> just there wasn't anybody home. But he was like that for a while. Yeah. He just had this blank, yeah. just this blank stare. Well, but you were greatly fatigued. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. That, that's something to be considered in that. So the rehab, though, they, they really went after you on the rehab, right? It, right, but in the LTAC, that's when oh, I so hit rehab my... rehab was different than LTAC? Yes. Okay. LTAC was just a place to get me out so they could have a, a new, another ICU bed. And so you were, well, trying actually, to get him in, you were trying to get him into a rehab. Actually, the LTAC, he wasn't well enough to go to rehab. Yeah, okay, okay. So um, I look at that LTAC was he finally got to sleep. They started giving him Ambien, and he rested up like his heart rate would go very high his oxygen would go low so he would have not tolerated rehab so how long were you in LTAC and then when did you move to rehab LTAC was a week like no it was more like 12 days and then rehab was almost two weeks so but when I was in LTAC that's when I called you the second time because I was being attacked, and that's where I wanted to plan my funeral. Yeah, I remember that. I do remember that phone call, and I was like, hey, uh, you're going to be okay. But I, <laughs> like I At that point, I was pretty sure he's out of the woods. I wasn't seeing light. At, for me, yeah, I wasn't you, seeing progress. I wasn't seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And I remember asking you, please have Pastor Eric and his wife Heather come up. Yeah, you were telling me, like, y'all are going to do this funeral together. It's going to be really great. And you were telling it's me, a like, celebration. He's, he's like, you are going to love Eric. He's going to love you. Yeah, you were, you were yeah. telling And I was like, hey, let's call time out here because we're not going there yet. Right. You know? But, but you, in my mind, yeah, I you were wasn't seeing myself getting yeah. better. And I kept at, And she said, every day you're getting better. But I wasn't seeing it. Yeah. But you know what's what's beautiful about all that? He said, "I want to tell you something, and I don't, I don't want to make you sad." Mm-hmm. I said, "Okay." He said, "I'm okay to go. Mm. I'm okay to go." Um, I've wondered. I mean, I've wondered about that before when people, and you, being a nurse, have seen this more than I have. But I mean, I've I've been around a fair share of death and sickness as a pastor. But it's, it's a strange thing because I think we naturally fear what it's like to go through that process of dying. Mm-hmm. And yet I found that when people are close and they can sense it, especially for believers, mm-hmm. or I guess it's all I've really encountered right. is for believers. I don't know how it's like to die as an unbeliever. But I've been amazed for believers and comforted by the fact that God seems to give them a grace, a mercy, a, and a comfort in those moments where they're just like, to live as Christ, to die as gain. They're, they're happy to stay. 
they're happy to go. I, it, it may, I, I think if you're not around that, hearing that can be very encouraging because it's just some God gives mercy in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I guess he gave you mercy in the moment to say, you know, if this is it, th- then I'm, I'm, I'm content to go. Well, she asked me what was, bo- she says, nothing's bothering you. You know, you, you act like nothing bothers you. And I'm like, I'm okay. I, you know, if, if this is my time, I'm, you know, I felt, yeah. I feel I am good with God. So do you find though that now that you're a year removed from this, like you, you, you come up with, I think in those moments where it feels like everything could possibly be lost and you could answer this too. It's like you get the greatest perspective in a crisis. Like somehow suffering is brings us closer to God than anything else. Mm-hmm. You get perspective. You're like, I'm changing everything. I'm never gonna feel. I I'm never gonna get mad about this again. I'm, you know, you you just get this perspective in the midst of a suffering trial. Uh, and then, have you evaluated it? Like when you're a year out, do you think? Do you find yourself getting perturbed at things, and then you remember? I decided never to get upset with this again. I mean, how has it changed you and how, what has been frustrating coming out of this or, or what would you say? I'm still at the point where if it's my time, I'm, I'm good. So you still feel like you've got that. Right. Things do bother me. Yeah. And I finally started to open up to her about something, you know, cause I just didn't want to share, you know, I didn't want her to worry. Yeah. Um, I opened up on some things, but in the end, you know, if it's the end game, I've done everything I can do. You know, my life is, I gave my life to Christ. Yeah. I feel good. You know, I, I feel good at that part, but there's a part of me that says, I've got these grandbabies. Well, that's all I guess I don't I'm want to, I don't want to leave now. Sure. I have a whole new life moving forward with these, with these grandkids and my wife. Yeah, and I guess what I'm saying is that you, you just like you, sometimes it's easier to think about the ultimate stuff than it is right. the little stuff in life. But I found that whenever we've gone through suffering and trials, I just think to myself, I can't believe the things that would normally make me upset when I'm going through a trial, they don't bother me because they're not important. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it seems like the further away I get from the trial, the little things that shouldn't bother me cause me to sin. You, you see what I'm yeah. saying? Yep. So uh, have you found it difficult or um, or has it been uh, encouraging to you to be able to remember this trial and to get does it keep that perspective of let's keep the main thing the main thing? Well, I think for us, um, the Lord knew what he was. He, he brought two broken people together. Mm-hmm. Um, so our relationship has just always been beautiful and Christ-centered. And we have always um, tried to do the best we can. We love people. Mm-hmm. We give. Um, and we just enjoy the simple things. And um, so we had that down pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I I would have never, I would not had any regrets if he had passed away on how I love him, on how I care for him, our friendship. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't have said, oh, I wish I would have. So how do y'all, how do you in your marriage, how do you, how do y'all foster that? I mean, if, if, 
I mean, is it something that you just try to communicate to each other every day or? Even if we're mad at each other, it happens. When we go to bed, there's always an I oh, love Oh, y'all are human? There's always a kiss. <laughs> but last night, like most nights, if we're watching TV, she's laying in my arms. Mm-hmm. So 10 years in, she's laying in my arms still. And we haven't lost that love. We haven't lost that yeah. flame for each other. It's, yeah. it's a different... Well, you know, one thing Melissa and I tell people, and it's really, really her wisdom that I've adopted, is just one of the most important things in marriage is just to be kind to each other. Yeah. And a lot of people, they, they're, they, mm-hmm. if, if, if you will be kind to one another, mm-hmm. it's amazing how, mm-hmm. how far that'll take you. Mm-hmm. Well, we've, we've wandered off the road now, so let's get to rehab. So mm-hmm. you finally get out of LTEC. And, and I want to tell you a story about sure. the rehab. So the hospital had him going to a rehab like near Presby, Dallas. And I was thinking, I was in that waiting room, I really wanna, I want some hot tea. I really wish I had some hot tea. And a gal showed up um, that I hadn't talked to in forever. Our sons were in the same fraternity, so we did lots of mom weekends together. She shows up with a University of Arkansas mug Mm-hmm. and tea for me. <laughs> I kid you not. Stuff like that would happen. Like, I would think I needed something, and it showed up, like chapstick or, or whatever. And so... Which speaks to God's provision, but also speaks to God's people meeting your needs. Yes. It was yeah. just... I just can't even... Uh, it was just amazing. But her husband was the president of the rehab right across the street from the hospital. So he got him in. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. And you had a let me in. <laughs> yeah. So he was the only patient in that rehab that so had you're able to take food in a visitor. And, yep. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. And um, so And that was top notch care and mm-hmm. I had physical par- therapy for three hours a day. Yeah, you told you, you you related to me that the physical therapy was grueling. But it was it was what you needed. But it was, you know, I look back and standing up and being able to, I marched in place for 10 seconds. The next day I marched, you know, the next next day I marched in place for 20 seconds. Yeah. Those were huge goals for me. Yeah. And every now and then I had some really bad times because they were trying to figure out my, my oxygen because I would start something, my heart rate would skyrocket and I'd go down. And mm. they ended up finding, figuring out it was the Lasix I was on. Oh. So they took me off the Lasix, and that's when my physical therapy really started to improve. So what were, when? So now you're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. So what did they tell you you had to be able to do before you could leave? I did. I don't know, and I don't have. It's a blessing from God. I don't have a lot of recollections. I just remember. There were some really good days of, of rehab, and there were some really bad ones. And those bad ones, I would fight the devil that night. Mm-hmm. You know, I would go back to, there's the guy in the trench coat. Mm. here, But it wasn't nearly what it was 30-some days ago. Yeah. So they wanted me to stay longer. I think I was in uh, Pam for 12 days, and they said, we really want you to stay longer. After 40 days in the hospital, no. I wanted to go home. I was on a mission. Mm-hmm. So we checked, you know, the goal was if they gave me a late checkout, we'd stay in Allen that night. Or if we got out, so I think we got out around 11 or 12. 
we packed up everything and Denise said, why don't you just sleep on the way home? I said, heck no. <laughs> My head's spinning back and forth. I'm looking at the scenery. Every now and then I'd roll the window down and feel the cool air. Mm-hmm. But I was on a mission. So in our front yard, we have a big, huge, what we call the family rock. And it's where I go every night to say my prayers. So I take the dogs out so they can do their things before bed. And I go out, sit on the rock, unless it's raining. And I say my prayers. So at this point, I have a walker. And I can maybe walk 10 yards, which was about the distance to that rock. Mm -hmm. So we pulled in. The dogs didn't recognize us because we hadn't been home in 40 days. And... You know, a huge thanks to Doug and Lila and Spencer and Debbie and uh, April. They took care of the dogs and the critters and mm-hmm. did everything. And Terry. And yeah. Terry. They, you know, Doug cut eight acres of grass one day. I just asked them. Somebody asked him to cut the yard. And I think he cut eight acres. Mm. So we had a tribe here in town that took care of everything. So we didn't have to worry about what was going on there. And when the dogs recognized me getting out and recognized Denise, I'd never heard them cry before, but mm. they were making all sorts of sounds. So Denise opened the gate. I used my walker, and I got to that rock, and I dropped to my knees, clasped my hands, and I started thanking God, praying. He had fulfilled all of my prayers. And then I struggled really hard to get on the rock, to sit down, mm. being on my knees. And Denise thought when I fell, when I went down on my knees, she thought I fell, and then she realized what I was doing. But she left me alone. She didn't come up, and then she let the critters out. And it was a huge, I thought they were going to knock me flat off the rock. I didn't have a <laughs> lot of balance. Yeah. And so after that, it just became every day we would walk. And she had a walker with tennis balls that I used inside the house, and a walker with wheels that we could walk down the gravel driveway. And every day I'd have a mark and I was like, okay, I'm going to this tree next. I'm going to add five yards or 10 yards. And I would just start extending the walk. And I think it was the Monday after I got out, which was a Thursday, the 12th. So whatever that Monday was, we went to the rehab center here in, in Olney. Mm-hmm. And for a very small town that we are, we have a top-notch rehab center. Mm-hmm. That place is impressive. But it's got a sixty-eight acre or sixty-eight yard track, right? And I made it like halfway, and I'd have to sit down, and then I'd make it. A, I was going to make it around that track the first day, and I did, but it took some doing. Mm-hmm. And then we went. We were trying to do things, and I didn't have a lot of strength in me. You know, there everything they wanted me to do, I really couldn't do. But I gave it my best. And a week later, I'm walking around it with a cane. You know, very unbalanced, and she's got me by a by my belt loop. Mm-hmm. But I'm walking around, and my progress just kept increasing. You know, I was seeing real progress now. And when I left rehab the first of January, I was walking. I walked a half a mile around at 13 or 14 laps. So, but I've never. There's not a day that goes by that I do not welcome God in the morning. Talk to him during the day, say my prayers, and have conversations at night. Yeah, so I mean, I think what when you know, your testimony is a, a tribute to a couple of things. One, I think, is uh, you know, of course, to Denise and and all the people, your family who cared about you, uh, the faithfulness of of your friends and and the Lord's people, but also just a testimony of God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And you said it here that God never wavered. Never left your side, nope. the, the nearness of Christ. and uh, You know, I feel like our story 
um, if you titled it, um, I would title it um, Because of Love. Mm-hmm. Um, all of you guys are family. Um, and I feel that God loves me so much mm-hmm. that it wasn't time for me to be without him. Mm-hmm. That just kind of sums it all up. Yeah. Yep. So how would you encourage people whenever they, you know, you faced a tremendous trial and, and y'all together have uh, faced this. So what, what encouragement would you give as, as some of the things you've written down here? So if you're listening to this, and this is what I tell people, you may not believe in God. You may, you may have doubts. You may be wondering, is there really a God? And that's okay. God believes in you. <laughs> and that's what I tell people. You know, well, I don't really believe in God. Well, God believes in you. Um, and it's usually sometimes when I talk to people, I've never prayed before. You know, I had people in the hospital. I don't pray, but I'll pray with you. I had Muslim nurses praying in Christ, you know, praying for Christ to heal me, which (laughs) was kind of odd. I don't know if at the time you're so sick. I don't know if this is right or wrong, (laughs) but I'll take any prayers that I can get. And I said, if you will just listen. Talk to God like he's your father because he is. Mm. Talk to him like he's your friend. He'll be your best friend you ever have in life. Mm. And I talk to God a lot. Sometimes I get direction out of it. You know, as I as I put on here, you know, if I read from the good book of Garth Brooks. Yeah, that great theologian. <laughs> yeah, that great theologian. <laughs> from Oklahoma. Some of God's greatest <laughs> gifts are, un- are unanswered prayers. Yeah. But... I saw enough that when I was in the hospital, out of the hospital, um, there are times where God has just talked to me directly, and I have felt the presence of God, and God guides my life. Do I wander off the path sometimes? Absolutely, I'm human. Um, But I try to get back on as quick as I can. You know, I think there's times in our lives that are so just... uh... You can't wrap your brain around what's going on. And all you can do is trust. Yeah. Yep. That's all you can do is trust and pray. And you really feel like once you went through this, it's what it, there are certain things we go to that just drive you to that. You might not be a, a person of prayer, but it's interesting that that's when, when we're going through something difficult, it's when we pray the most. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 we, when, we're, when we're at our greatest time of need, that seem, seems to us to be the answer. It's all because it's all we can do. All right. That out of desperation, we're driven. And, we, and, and it's that we sense in those times, the Lord hears the prayers of the righteous. Now, we're not righteous on our own. We're righteous because Christ has made us righteous. But we, he hears his people. Uh, when, when they cry out and pray. And like you said, sometimes you get an answer that's, you know, do yes, or no, or wait. But, you know, sometimes you, you feel like, well, this hasn't been answered. But I think what I heard you saying there is, in whatever the answer is, trust him. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just Wholeheartedly. Had to, and you just had to learn to, I think it's interesting, when you don't have the physical strength to get out of bed, you're at the point where all you can do is trust him. I couldn't even scoop myself up in the bed. So I would s- slide down. I would, you know, <laughs> gravity would take me down towards the end of the bed. 
and the nurses would come in, grab the sheet, and I would push with my legs, and they would pull me up. And I'm like, okay, now I'm at least to the top of the bed. My legs, my feet aren't crunched at the bottom of yeah. the bed. Yeah. But yeah, that first you're week you're out of you're that helpless. first week out of the uh, out of off the ventilator, I've never talked to God that much in my life. Yeah. yeah. And. The strange thing is, is, and I'm going back, and I'm not beating up the Episcopals that might be listening to this. I was just never taught yeah. that I can talk to God, that I can pray, yeah. that I can have, just have a conversation. That didn't come across to me. Maybe I missed it. Well, you know, and yeah, it's interesting because what you said in the very beginning is y'all would carry to church a book of prayer. And yet the power of prayer became apparent to you when you suffered. Yes. And, and sometimes, you know, and, and also... Like you said here, very true. No one can see the kingdom unless they're born again. We just need God to show us the kingdom. And sometimes we can, you know, sometimes our ears aren't working, our eyes aren't working, because God just hasn't said, come with me. Right. And, and and when he does, it's like you could say, yeah, people have been, you know, I it's it's funny. I grew up in a church where the gospel was preached. It was preached faithfully. And I heard it a hundred times. Mm-hmm. But why, why the hundred and first? You, you know, you ask these questions because there's a point where, God is is saying let's let's go and what I, I'm just praising God because I think through this, you know, He's given you a way to encourage people because people might say like you said I don't believe in God I don't pray, but but you're standing right there in front of them, and and in front of us here these microphones saying, here's what God did in my life right and He's given you a tremendous testimony mm-hmm. uh, to share so I mean I think. We never want suffering to come in our life. We, 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 it's hard to embrace suffering, and we should never run out in the street and say, God, inflict me with something terrible. That's, that would be foolish. We should thank God for the blessings and good times. But whenever we do endure a suffering, I think the this, this story that you're telling here is that you should be looking for how the Lord's going to use this and teach you and mm-hmm. yep. work through it so you don't waste a sickness and not learn the thing that God wanted you to learn from it, which it seems like you from the very beginning of this saying, this is going to be a great story. You know, uh, whenever you got out of the hospital and you said, I've got to tell this right. Is that, you know, you, you, I think have learned not just you, but as a couple, even you've learned what the Lord wanted to teach you through it. Well, as I said, the Lord, I mean, the devil came after me at my Weakest point, because I am a believer. And some people are like, well, that would have never happened to me in the hospital. Well, if you're a non-believer... He's going to leave you alone. He doesn't... There's nothing for (laughs) him. He's already winning. There's nothing... Exactly. (laughs) There's nothing there. Yeah, yeah. But I am, and I went through this, and this is is real. This is not something... I couldn't have made that up calling you that night. Oh, yeah. Um, In the state of mind that I was in, I couldn't have said, well, I'm just going to make this up and call Chad and see what he can do... No, my, wow. you know, it was it was you were troubled. Yes, and it was it was, uh, you know, those are interesting moments because I'm just you know I'm just doing whatever, and someone calls and like this guy's having a major spiritual ordeal. You know, right. we need to be praying for this mm-hmm. guy. And so mm-hmm. we we prayed for you and and just thank it you. It was on our hearts, you know, whenever we would pray at night, and, and we just it was such a concerning. We thing. said we had a whole we had a whole town here praying, a tribe helping us. And the thousands of friends, you know, hundreds of friends that we had and the thousands and the tens of thousands of prayers that came in from all over the globe. My brother had somebody in Norway praying for for me. That's amazing. And you Um, know people that 
um, that followed our story um, on on social media because that was the best way to share yeah. stuff. Um, if they didn't know Christ, they're like, I know they're like, huh, you know. They heard about him. They heard about him. Yeah. You know, and I think um, that's one of the reasons, too. Yeah. I think a lot of people heard about Christ, uh, watched us go through this, and I think people, a lot of people came to Christ because yeah. of what we went mm-hmm. through. Yeah. And those in Christ, our faith was strengthened. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that those that are listening to this, if you're one of the ones that I'm not sure and you come to Christ, then we've succeeded. Amen. Well, Jeff, Denise, thanks for uh, coming in. And we set up some microphones here in a Sunday school room and we did, you know, <laughs> try to do this informally. But I pray, uh, my prayer is that God will take this and bless it and that those listening will be encouraged and that we'll all be encouraged to pray. Amen. So thank, thank you. Thanks for being here.